Hello everyone, welcome to XYZ Podcast. I'm Gary. Today we are running on uh, Instagram Live as well. So if let's say our audience wanted to send some questions or whatnot, feel free to comment down below. We will try to answer after the re recording and then we can have some fun. Um, the Instagram Live is just for fun. So um, we are not um, using that as, as our primary platform. So because now we are doing on... Uh, Skype, so that's the main one. Uh, I, I, we will release the full version la uh, later later on, lah. Um, so so this upcoming guest is Harish Kumar, uh, my good old friend since uh, degree time. You Welcome, degree. Harish Kumar. <laughs> hey, good to be here. <laughs> yes, good good to see you so, again yeah. because I think uh, you know we we've been friends for so long, but it's just that we we we've been discuss a lot of things uh. I mean we discuss about architecture we discuss about politics we discuss about gossips uh but the thing is we didn't really like sit down to talk about your works and I think your works in masters uh doing in Oxford Brooks are really amazing uh the, the the final one is really got me really impressed so that's why I thought like okay invite you to have a talk about this whole process but before that um yeah how are you doing Ah, doing good. Can't wait to fly back. <laughs> why, 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 why are you so eager to go back Malaysia? Like, it's just two years. Why not the... just spend your time here? Like, appreciate it. Uh, cause it's for me. Uh, cause it's uh, I don't feel it's like in Oxford particularly. It's not that lively compared to KL, and there isn't much things to do. Right. And when since this lockdown going on, like, even the things, the small things we can do is more restricted now. Right. And I feel like. Due to restrictions, we are like quite limited to where we can actually travel and all. Because initially, my plan was like I can travel around, go around UK, explore first. Right. And right. because of all these conditions, like it's quite limited. So it's like if I go back, I can be more freer. Okay. So it's it's limited in what way? It's limited. Is it like you can't drive? Uh, yeah, that's one of the main things. And actually, like the public transport here is quite nice. But the thing is, uh, even when you go to city, there isn't much to do. And even in terms of like uh entertainment people here usually like go to parks and bar and all mm. and in Malaysia like let's say you go to a mall it's like you can spend the entire day in the mall mm. but in terms of mall here there isn't much you can actually do like you can just go to the movies and have something to eat mm. and in terms of entertainment I think in Oxford it's very limited but in terms of the nature quality like if you appreciate nature much there's actually more things to do here right. so it depends on the person actually right I mean I mean speaking of that because uh, back, back, back in Malaysia you can drive and then uh we will talk more about shopping culture later because I think it's a very interesting things that we can discuss about yeah. because, uh, you know, back in Malaysia, you've been discovering so many malls. We even uh, went to <laughs> this uh, abandoned mall in Ampang. What's, what is it called? Um, uh, yeah, not sure. The, 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 the triangle <laughs> building. Hey, not triangle building. Yeah. Slope, slope roof building. Ampang Mall. I forgot the name. Is. <laughs> Ampang Park. Hey, no. Uh, Ampang Park is I think still open I think the one we went No, is... Ampang Park demolished already lah. Got another one uh, Ampang Point Ampang Point Ampang Point Ampang Point Yes so, yeah. I, I But the one that... we went is The one we went is Ampang Point No, no, no Ampang Point the one... Ampang Plaza is it? Ampang yeah. Pl Plaza Ampang Ampang Plaza Yeah, I think There are something like that uh... but, but anyway and Anyway Uh Okay, so so we we we're gonna talk about uh shopping malls later, and uh it's quite interesting that you did mention to like like share a little bit to me that um 
you are quite curious about the interior and how they manage the shopping mall and actually um, affect how a user experience as well. So that's very yeah uh, interesting way to look at it, like indirectly architecture, how it works. Um, and and okay, so before before all this, and you 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 shared about uh about your your experience in Oxford Brooks and then uh in Oxford and then uh what is your expectation in UK? You know because of current lockdown and then you can't do a lot of things. Um, but before yeah. before all this, like I'm curious, like what draws your interest into architecture? And you know basically that's the 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 initial things that how we met and also probably I I I think it, it might be. Um, possible to link it to your family, is it? Because your 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 father being involved in the architecture mm-hmm. industry. Mm, yeah, first like since small, I was like drawn to it. Like, because every time I see my uh, father drawing all the plans and stuff, so I was like, oh, what's this thing they're drawing every time? And one of the main thing that hooked me is like, what's the architecture? You actually like design space, and you can actually like design a space for a user. And let's say even like after long you're gone, your design and your intention like still stands there. Mm-hmm. You know, like the malls you go to, like, let's say, like, it was built, like, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. But the experience, the design is still, like, experienced by people till now. Mm-hmm. It's like, in architecture, for me, like, you actually get to create, like, something that can make changes in people's life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, like, something, like, that drawn me initially to, is it? Mm-hmm. And that didn't change much, but, like, uh, I thought, like, when I started, it's, like, the architecture is quite limited. But the more you study, the more you can actually, like, influence people with your architecture. Do you, do you enjoy the malls in Malaysia? Mm, yeah, and even in terms of our uh, Taylor's Lakeside, it's like the way they designed it, they designed sort of like something like a mall whereby there's like a lot of place for you to interact and like mm. go around and even though there's like a mini mall inside there. So what they, in terms of what the Taylor's achieved is they created like a small township within the college itself. That's why you see like normally people like, even when there's like nothing to do in college, they still go there because they managed to create that, that sort of design aspect whereby it's a place for you to be in. There's a lot of things to do around. Right. And I feel like that type of township is so like lacking in like the, my university now whereby it's mainly towards studies and there isn't like other aspects to go around there. Mm. And maybe because it's because the, in terms of scale, like in Malaysia, because the density is higher, so they can do more. And in terms of your density is lower, that's why it's like quite, quite smaller in scale. Mm-hmm. But but since you are talking about is uh kind of related to how you wish that architecture can bring people into experience as part of it to enjoy the space that you mentioned about. Um, yeah. Apart from that, I I'm curious like because I I noticed that you play a lot of games also, so that kind of uh, game spatial experience is kind of relevant in that sense. So is it something related? Mm, yeah. Uh. Even in terms of games, like normally you see. One of the main things that drive architecture and games is, is actually the programming, like what's the function. Like let's say for a game, right, maybe there's a story mode. But what drives people is the uh, multiplayer mode whereby you create friends and create a community there. Mm. Even in terms of, uh, I think architecture, that's the same as well. Like you can have like many specific programs, like let's say in a mall, like uh, you can have, uh, let's say a dining experience, uh, uh, let's say you go to a movie and mm. all this has a lot of community aspects. Mm. And if you like, in terms of like in Oxford, like let's say now my college is uh, mainly focused for studying. Mm. And in terms of entertainment, you have to go to the uh, city and there's like sort of like disconnect. Mm. And even in Tales, I don't think there is much to do in Tales itself, but because and we, since we are driving, everything is in close proximity. Mm. So in our mind, it's like Tales is not just that UN city, it's the entire Sunway. Mm. So that 
in return, like being a small function, right? But we have more things to do. Mm. And I think that's how similar it is. Like, uh, the more the functions to do, the more people actually come in and there's more things to do that way. Mm. I mean, I mean, I mean, you study into, I, I mean, you study in Oxford also um, because you don't have car, right? So it somehow encouraged yeah. you to walk or taking public transport more. So if let's yeah. say we apply this kind of mentality into Malaysia, how do you see that? Like, is it possible we can replace cars and um, uh, encourage more people to taking public transport instead of driving more cars in, in, in Sunway, for example, that you did mention? Um, yeah. Because you know back then we were studying in Taylor's and then we wanted to get a lunch and then we have to drive all the way to Sunway Pyramid for lunch or for entertainment or for movie you know, so mm, yeah. do you see that is it possible to apply this kind of mentality where taking public transport or walk more or cycle in in UK into Malaysia in mm. your point of view? I think they can achieve that and uh, in terms of Malaysia the main uh, challenge is the proximity whereby the distance is you actually have to drive and you cannot walk because it's that long distance. Mm. But I think like in terms of Sunway development, uh, the place like the mall, the uh, the hospital and all, like they managed to do the walkability aspect whereby everything close by. Mm. Like, like say like every time if we go to uh, eat in Sunway Pyramid, then be like, maybe we can go Burger Lab and the UCT is connected to there. Mm. So I feel like if they create more of this whereby you have uh, this township where right, it's all connected in close proximity to actually like bring this uh, this aspect of UK into that more and I think like they are starting to do that like uh, that time when we went uh, they saw park whereby they actually mm. smartly did like this outdoor mall in the middle of the township mm. so that that encourages people to walk and even in terms of UK the reason it's the walking and all is so successful is because uh, in terms of proximity everything is nearby each other so you're encouraged mm. to walk Mm. And in terms of Malaysia, that, that distance is too far to walk. Mm. And in terms of public transport, if our transport is uh, more efficient, uh, maybe that will become more uh, more better for encouraging people to use that. Mm. But in terms of walking, currently it's not viable in Malaysia. Okay. And even in terms of climate, like since you walk in UK, it's cold and mm. you can walk more. Mm. And in Malaysia, like even a short distance is quite tiring. So the walking aspect is actually quite hard to achieve in Malaysia. I think I think I, I I agree with the what you're saying with if, if it, whether the uh, climatic factor can be part of the reason that people in Malaysia they are not keen to walk more, but, yeah. but in that sense doesn't mean that we have to take it this as a reason or excuse for us to uh to to say no to to public transport or walking in in a public public space. In terms of walking, I think the main challenge in Malaysia is uh, the climate is one as well, but the main is distance. Like uh, the distance is too far to walk. like let's say even like from Taylor's, we walk to Pyramid. In terms mm-hmm. of walking, I think maybe it takes like fifteen minutes, something like that. Mm-hmm. But if there is a way that they make the walking distance shorter, like like let's say the time when we are in Pyramid and you walk to the Sunway City is like twenty minutes walk. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the shorter the distances, the more people will be encouraged to walk in. Mm-hmm. And in terms of uh, public transport. I think one of the main one liking in Malaysia is uh, like the transport actually goes into your housing area because mm. most of the uh, public transport you actually see is like outside the housing area. So what's the challenge in Malaysia is let's say if I'm already driving to go to the train station, my mindset will be like, why don't I just drive all the way? Because the distance to the train station and maybe my destination is like uh, in the midpoint. So it's like mm. I already drive halfway, why not I drive more? Mm. So if they have more of this public transport in the housing itself, it'll be much better. Because mm. let's say in terms of uh, my 
main taman pasir it's like the closest uh, the MRT is like a 10 minutes drive hmm. and let's say uh, since I'm studying Taylor's the MRT will uh, take another 10 minutes to go hmm. to the university hmm. so for me it's like since I'm already driving halfway I, I can just drive further and like I'll reach my destination hmm. so that part is currently uh, lacking a lot in Malaysia whereby there isn't much access in housing hmm. And 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 you 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 raise a good point about the uh, distance, which is uh, pretty much related to urban planning or uh, typology that are located for a certain plot of land. Uh, yeah. And and in Damansara, for example, we just within like few kilometers, we get like Starling Mall, and then one Utama, uh, you get uh, IKEA, you know. So yeah. this cluster somehow uh distributed very very close. But I'm not sure what is the intention behind it. It can be a healthy competition. I I don't know in 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 a finance or business speaking. But how do you see like the 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 amount of a shopping mall in Malaysia? Like, do you think it's too much? And then uh, it is good in a way that it provides a lot of options for the people to visit. Or do you think it's too redundant in a way? Hmm. Currently, uh, I think there is quite a lot of malls. Right. So when you go to IKEA, IKEA is actually connected to the street malls. So what they did is, in a way, like, like uh, in terms of IKEA development, one Utama and Stalin, they are like separated. But what IKEA did was they integrated their surrounding into them, and that what made a, a more successful uh, aspect. And even in terms of Stalin, they actually like did the underground actually connecting to the neighborhood. Mm. And I feel like moving forward, if they uh, do more malls, they should integrate the surroundings more, and that actually are. Uh, Uh, or that take off some of the negative aspects about the mall. Cause currently the malls are like closed off from outside the exterior world, and they're more like focused on inside, and it's like a massive structure, mm. and it doesn't actually interact with. So it's like there is good things about mall, but how do you take out negative aspects is the main thing. And I think I think you did uh, mention a lot of things that uh, touches a lot a, lo- a lot of things that talking about shopping malls and. Uh, Urban planning and it's pretty much related to the topics later we wanted to discuss. Uh, we're talking about disruption modernism, um, which is actually yeah. is a whole package of your year two projects, right? And mm, yeah. But before before that, uh, you've been into this kind of three D realistic renderings, uh, like probably starting from semester four or five. But mm, the yeah. thing is, I I realized your your hand drawing, your hatch your hatching drawing. Um, it's done pretty well, but it's just that I I I'm curious what happens, you know, between this gap, like because I I I saw your yeah. your your um mm, your drawing or your sketch of the grasshopper or even Batman. So how does that somehow detach mm-hmm. away from what you are doing now? Yeah, cause in terms of degree, the main challenge was, uh, everything has to be done fast, and yeah, everything was done very fast, so it was more viable for me to like. Uh, instead of uh, sketching, I just stayed going to digital and then start doing the point right away. Mm. And in terms of actual design development, that's not very good because like you can miss out on a few steps. Mm. But in terms of because uh, the time I was going for time and efficiency, so I was like, I'll straight go to the CAD and straight design something and then just uh, push that into digital. Mm. And what I learned from masters is because uh, in masters you have more time for your projects, mm. and because you have already mastered all the software, like mm. you have more time to do stuff. So in terms of master, what I did is I do some initial sketches, which is not very, uh, very uh, detailed enough, mm. and then I move on to like maybe do a basic model, mm. and then I start translating that into a 3D. And the reason why I focus a lot on 3D is uh, because 
uh, in terms of uh, budget and all. That's the only way for us to show what the end product will be like, mm-hmm. what will the railing be like, and all these small, small details like the color of the wall, let's say, the material of the floor, mm-hmm. and maybe like what types of plants I'm going to do. Because the way I design my 3D is I don't design it for the project, I design it also for my understanding. Mm-hmm. So when I have this completed, like, in terms of the 3D world, like, we can actually go inside the building and all these small, more details exist. That actually, I think, like, informs your design more and, like, brings out the vision, like, uh, instead of telling, because I'm quite bad at my explanations when I was in degree. Mm. So the reason I did very detailed uh, rendering is so that I don't have to explain more. And, like, since my uh, 3D is detailed enough and all the lighting and all this, like, uh, how it will in real life, mm. don't have to tell much. When they see, they'll be like, oh, this is how he's trying to go for it, and this is all and all. Mm. So that's the reason I sort of, like, started shifting towards 3D. And and speaking of e- efficiency, I I realize that most of your works, right, when it comes to tutorial, for example, you already like start to render things and um, start to visualize a certain view or already have an idea what is the furniture is gonna looks like. Um, yeah. I find this kind of conflicting with the 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 effectiveness that you mentioned earlier. So how does that work in a way that mm. you can effect yeah. bring 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 it with effective and also. Uh, achieve a certain message that you wanted to deliver. Mm, yeah, because one of the main reasons uh, what happens when you skip like sketching per se is like some of the ideas get lost. Mm. So it's like what was the hard thing for me when degree was because I so like skip the stet- sketching part a lot. It's like when I have the idea in my mind, how do I translate that into straight into three D? And that's actually like more challenging than uh, when you don't sketch because it's like you have the idea in your head but you don't know how to translate it straight into this three D. So that's why uh, some of my 3D, like in the beginning, like it seemed very rigid and like it didn't comply much. Mm. And the more I worked on it, the more it became what I wanted. So it's like maybe if I had sketched, it would have been straight into like my finals. And because I didn't do 3D, I sort of like uh, start playing in 3D a lot. And that actually like spent more time. Mm. So it's like what happened was, because when you have an idea in your head and you want to translate it straight into 3D, it's actually a lot more challenging than sketching it first. Mm. So if you sketch it first, it'd be easier. And in terms of the furniture and all, uh, because you have that idea in your head, like I want this furniture like to be like this and the lighting to be this. Mm. So once you actually have your 3D model, uh, it's actually like in real life, you can actually see the walls and, and the railing and all. Mm. And normally I add the furniture at the end of my design. So it's like mm. I'll model all my building first, mm. then I add the design. So it's like basically like now I have a house, I have an empty room, mm. and how do I decorate it? Mm. And then by doing that, I actually can uh, put more time into like seeing like or maybe I want this type of furniture to be in this area. Mm. And maybe like I want a low, low sitting furniture on this area. Mm. So by designing that shelf first, I get more uh, more creativity and more time to actually design that furniture. Mm. But mm. the problem is since you skip the sketching part and we actually go into designing the furniture itself, that actually like, consume more time because maybe like in initially I have a different idea, but you forgot to sketch it out. Mm. And then that actually brings you more challenges. Like what, is that, what was my idea here? And you actually strain yourself more. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was the main challenge about uh, when you stay jump into 3D. Right. I be- yeah, yeah, I believe that because in 3D is rather like a final stage in a way you wanted to yeah. translate it into a, a form, a new, like sort of like an artwork, for example. Um, mm, and, yeah. and, and for you, I, I mean, I noticed your sketch. <laughs> Maybe it's not, it's, not, <laughs> it's not provoking as someone, uh, anybody else, but yeah. it's just that I, I believe that um, either it's a good sketch or bad sketch as long as it delivers uh, things or it sparks an mm, idea, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a part of the process. Um, 
Now, now let's talk about your your works in Oxford Brooks. Um, mainly, I think this is the uh, from year two, right? So, yeah, it, it compiled as a whole uh to align with the topic called disruption modernism. Can you please bring us through like how yeah. does all the projects link together as one? And uh, yeah. it's a very it's a very experiment. It's a very experimental and also experience-centric kind of projects that I can notice, like yeah. for everyone festival fortnight interaction facade and also uh sky park and then eventually leads to AR hub. I believe the AR hub yeah. is the finale of the whole project, right? Yeah, it's actually like a part of the sky network itself. I'll explain later on. So what the disruption modernism is actually was uh, initially when they uh, course in my uni they actually like. All the lectures will present what their studio is about mm. and how you want to actually uh, join in. So mm. for mine, initially, uh, first they said it's more uh, disruption modernism is actually like how do you make people more sustainable and mm. how do you uh, encourage people to like care more about nature. Mm. And when they said that, well, I was like quite discouraged because I was like, oh, maybe I have to do this uh, all this uh, nature calculation and how much energy I'm going to use. And after that, what they explained on uh, regarding the disruption modernism is will give you a challenge every week and you can do it in, in your way possible. So it's like, it's not necessarily like you have to calculate like, oh, by reducing uh, mm -hmm. this amount of things, mm -hmm. I get this one. It's more towards like your idea and how your idea will make people more sustainable. Mm -hmm. And that actually what drawn me in because I, for my aspect is, I don't want to create a building that forces people to be more sustainable, mm -hmm. but rather like my design itself actually makes people to be sustainable without them knowing it. So yeah, if you see my uh, most of my design, like there's a sustainable aspect to it, mm. but I don't like feel like well, people are supposed to do this and all. It's like, mm. I sort of like, try to integrate sustainability into their lifestyle. Mm. And in that, in that sense, the uh, lecture actually uh, guided us a lot. And since what I said about uh, Taylor's earlier, like uh, how I was going for efficiency, mm. but in this case, it actually helped me because uh, all this, the small, small project you see is actually like, in our 12-week period, every week, they have a new challenge. Mm. So your whole project is, is in just that one week time span. Mm. And what that actually taught me is, uh, and my lecture taught me this very well, is it's okay for you to fail in tutorials. Mm. So it's like in that one week, I just go crazy. I'm like, I do what I want. I just send what I want. And this is my vision. And if it's wrong, you learn from it. And if it's correct, it's a good thing. But the traffic period is, from what I learned from now is, it's actually for you to like, just try what you like, mm. see what works. And like one of the main things uh, in terms of architecture uh, earlier on, like when people like criticize us, like when we present our final, then the crit comes and like tells us, oh, your design is not nice and we take it very badly. It's like, why doesn't the crit like my design? But what I learned in my master's is actually like, it's better for you to get more crit so that you can improve yourself more. Mm. And what we did in the traffic period is every week, we just do what we can and just go for a wireless idea and see if it works or not. And in terms of the final, how I applied that was, I, what I did is I rushed into all these 3D aspects, like, so like to show them more of what my idea going to be. So I like did all this detail entering mm. so that if they didn't like it, they can actually see like, oh, this is how the project is going. This is how it's going to be like. Then they say they don't like it. I can modify it earlier. Mm. So in that aspect, by rushing into things, I actually like, get more feedback. And like, since they actually see the final product, they can actually tell like, oh, this is not going to work. It can work. Mm. Mm. And the more criticism you get in the beginning of your project, the better your project going to be because since they already like uh, sort of like tell you what's going to work and what's not going to work. So in terms of my finals, like 
uh, because we had this all this uh, quarantine and this corona period, we had online classes. Mm. And since in the initial period, I showed a lot and like I got a lot of criticism in the beginning itself. Mm. So I was like confident enough. Like I started like skipping classes towards the end because uh, I've showed my lecture like this is how the final going to be like, and I've gotten the comments and I changed it. So it's like in terms of the design development, I feel like currently it's like the more you show, the better it is, and mm. the more this is to get. It's not bad for you. It's better because you can change it more and like develop a better project. Mm, 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 mm. It's it's very interesting that how you actually dissecting the 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 position of crit is how important is that for a student. Um, yeah. And and I believe that you know back then in in degree time we seeing crit session as a something like a like a nightmare, but now yeah. we see it as a, another chance to rethinking or improv improvise our design. Um. Yeah. And and all these project does that uh, happen to be as the same location or is a fragmented project that somehow connected together? In yeah, the, uh, planning or uh, in a bigger scale or make macro scale. Yeah, actually the the smaller projects I showed you is actually like semester one, and actually fragmented like it's based on the challenge. Right. So the home for everyone is uh the challenge was they wanted us to create a way to uh, accommodate refugees. So what I went about doing that is. Instead of doing a separate building for them, I right. attached it inside the building itself. Right. And that three uh, projects are separate from the main project. But what I did was, if you can see, is uh, all this small, small idea in I had in last semester, I tried to bring that in into my new semester. And the main, the main challenge for me and uh, the main reason my project took me so long to do is because the network was not just a network to just walk around. Mm. The network is actually like incorporating many of the functions and it has multiple functions. And how I went about doing that is I have this network and what I learned from the last year's uh, the small, small disruptions, they call it. Mm. How do I integrate that as well? Mm. And the AR hub is actually like part of the Sky network. And and all this smaller aspect I learned from the disruptions, I actually try to bring that in. Mm. So the network actually like, it's a, it's, it's a one project itself, mm. but inside the projects, there's actually many aspects. And because one of the things my lecturers did to me was uh, one of the uh, challenges they have is sometimes the student has a good idea, but it sort of ended, ends there. So I did was I have this one idea, and this one idea can actually bunch out many ideas and become mm. something more than just like, oh, I want people to walk around. But mm. this is like more than that. It's like you can walk around and there's all these functions towards it. And that actually brings to my point earlier, where I said I don't want people to like be forced to be sustainable, but I want them to be so sort of like encouraged to be sustainable. And by going into your design without them knowing it, they are more sustainable. So that was the end goal and I tried to achieve that with all these different functions. Okay, um, I have two questions. Uh, both questions are related to the idea of sustainability. Uh, you did mention yeah. about uh, you wish that the project can be sustainable in a way that uh, performance-wise or even environmental friendly wise yeah. um, In speaking of like, 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 like sustainable, how do you see, for example, like Home for Everyone is a, like a residential project for refugee, right? And yeah. And apart from that, I, I look look at it like how I dissect it is that Festival Fortnite and also Interaction Facade, they are more sustainable in a way that how people perceive a facade or a place or a public area. So mm, I'm yeah. curious about how do you see the word sustain, uh, sustainability in this case? And also, in the end, you did mention about the potential of plastics as the part of the construction materials. So mm, yeah. uh, do you mind to share like how do you see these two things? Yeah, uh, the first would be sustainability, like 
because normally when people tell you sustainability, they automatically think like, oh, maybe my building is going to use less energy. Maybe it's going to be... Because in terms of sustainability, what we were uh, taught to think of is it's going to be a lesser version of itself. Mm. Like I have this very nice building, very nice concept and all, but I have to make it more sustainable. So I have to like introduce things into my design. Mm. So how I went about doing that is uh, I'll create a building that is designed around sustainability so that it, it doesn't feel like, oh, I created this building that because I wanted to make it sustainable. There's like aspects missing from it. Mm. So in terms of the home for everyone, how I wanted to design it was uh, I'm creating a home for everyone and also want to make it as sustainable as possible, but I don't want it to feel like something is taken out from there. Mm. So how I went about doing that is the home is actually attached to the current housing and that actually reduces like you don't have to do a new land for the building. Mm. It's actually attached to the current housing. And also the facilities are actually like shared like in dorms whereby you can actually share facilities among the each units. Mm. And the reason of this sharing facilities is in terms of that, when you're doing a product, like let's say uh, three houses need three washing machines mm. and the creation of their product itself requires energy and all. So by sharing facilities, there's actually uh, lesser products used. Mm. And also like, since you're sharing the same house, the energy is also like reduced in a way. Right. And what was the challenge thing is I didn't want people to think like they are forced into the sustainability. Right. So by having just like a sharing facility, they're actually being sustainable and they actually don't know it. So it's like, it's not like a direct way, but an indirect way of being more sustainable. Right. So in that project, the sustainability we expect was you don't have to create a new land to accommodate them. And also like by doing all the sharing facilities, like the amount of all this equipment, this energy use is actually reduced. And also like uh, in a way by doing all the sharing facilities, like, Let's say if you live in your own house by yourself, you don't actually get that community aspect a lot. Mm. But if you actually stay with people, you actually get that community aspect more. Mm. And since, let's say, you're like from a refugee from another country, uh, you want to accommodate them uh, fast as fast as possible. Mm. So by having the sharing facilities, they actually can interact more mm. and that will integrate them into society more. So how I went about the sustainable aspect was not to be sustainable, but also like using the sustainability to guide my design and creating a whole design using that. And, and how about the plastics? The plastic was, because uh, my initial idea for my Sky Network was, I'm going to create this plastic structure to go around the city. Right. And initially, there was like research showing that it was viable to create these big structures. But what I found out is, uh, when you melt plastic and actually reform it, because the initial idea was, there's all this plastic that cannot be used and it's in the dumpster. Mm. So I thought like, I can use all that uh, existing plastic Mm. and then convert them into uh, usable things instead of ending up in a dumpster like not used. Mm. But the problem with that is currently the technology doesn't exist whereby you can actually melt and reform these plastics in a safe way. Right. And actually by like by melting them, you actually expose more gas. Mm. And that is like this counterintuitive thing whereby I want to use the plastic to reduce their effect, but also like by doing that, I also create more pollution. So that's why I so like abandoned that and looked at more options. But so- in terms of future maybe like if they actually found a way to actually melt and do that into a sustainable way that would be a viable construction option mm. so so you see the opportunity in crisis in a way how do we looking the potential to reuse or recycle plastics because uh, yeah. i think currently plastics are um, widely used in for example like ptfe etfe mainly are for for some yeah. so I, I'm curious, like, when speaking of plastic, how do you propose it? Is it, like, in a way, like, is it possible to mix as a structure or is it possible for, for aesthetic, just for aesthetic or mm. it's a envelope? Uh, actually, the one I found out was there was a city whereby 
they actually did a structure using the plastic. And how they do that is actually there's like a robot hand on the construction site. Mm. And the robot hand actually like 3D prints your plastic into a structure. And there is studies showing that the plastic structure actually can stand by itself. It's mm. just the part whereby you actually have to melt it. And, uh, and the effect that creates is the main problem now. And the strength is actually like because of all this 3D uh, printing and all the advancements by it, I think like you can actually make that a viable uh, option for creating a building full of mm. plastic uh, mm. in a few more coming years. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting to look at it. Uh. Perhaps you can, we, we can talk more about it and then maybe by the time you can, you have done some, some more intensive research about it. Yeah. But, um, let's talk about the uh, final project, which is AR Hub. Um, well, yeah. personally, I would like you. I would like to invite you to enlighten, enlighten myself to have a broader lens into AR and how does it involve into architecture? Because AR personally yeah. for me is an augmented reality in a way. You created another realm of the reality reality where you can go to this kind of reality uh, for a game. Yeah. Or, or for, for, for recreational purpose. For example, when you're talking about like Ready Player One or mm. Avatar or even Black Mirror, which is the dark, darker side one. Um, so I'm curious, like, how do you see the AR hub as an architecture that, you know, since you are talking about like architecture is about people and this is actually part of the people and talking about like experience. So do you mind to elaborate like how do you see that or inspired into the final product? Yeah, because actually the hub is actually the part of the network and the network has many functions and the hub is one of them. And why I chose AR specifically is uh, because uh, bringing back to my sustainability aspect, like I don't want people to be sustainable, but be sustainable in the way they live. Mm. So one of the main things is currently like when you play games, like you engage in social media and all, mm. you're actually spending most of your time in the digital world. Mm. So I thought maybe I can incorporate the digital world into the physical world mm. and that in return will actually like make people exercise more and go out more without them knowing it. Mm. So one of the things I did in the AR Hub is uh, you can have these AR games whereby you actually like, let's say Call of Duty, but the Call of Duty is in real life and the floor actually changes mm. uh, in terms of the game and you're actually like trying to shoot and dodge person in real life. Mm. And what was the main idea was that is without you knowing it, you're actually exercising more and moving more and going outside more. Mm. But also you're having fun in the time whereby you bring the digital aspect inside mm. it. And also in terms of uh, walking, I also created like this many ways, like let's say like someone in the gym is running on treadmill and maybe someone else has actually like walked on the path before. And maybe there's like this digital version of them and you can actually like, instead of just walking and just uh, making walking as a part of this one, maybe you can actually compete with people and actually like make you exercise more and like bring you to do something more than just walking. And because for my experience is there's so much advancement in the digital world whereby you can do so much thing digitally. Mm. Why not I bring that into the physical world and also like make people more sustainable by doing all these digital things. Speaking of the exercise, right? I believe that AR Hub is much mm, more yeah. like uh, another alternative to replace gym in a way. Uh, mm, yeah. You can actually play game and also exercise to keep a good, healthy, physical, uh, physical health in a way. Um, well, my, my, my perception is that why don't we jump into this kind of genuine sports or exercise that we've been practicing for years or even there is an Olympic for that. But I'm not saying that AR doesn't have that kind of uh, skill or events or um, 
exhibition or even uh, activities about it. They, they, there is actually like e-sport kind of thing, like playing Dota, playing yeah. FIFA or things, right? So um, my, my, my only concern is that will it be become like a part of the a- addiction in a way that people wanted to keep playing that until they don't want to uh, come back to the real reality. So which, yeah, which cost, is pretty pretty yeah. obvious in dark dark uh sorry uh black mirror right? Yeah, and because for me it's so like, uh, if someone is already addicted to games, they are going to be addicted to games. Right. And my reason is like since people are already spending so much time in digital world, why not make them as make it as healthy as possible and so like using the addiction and make them integrate with the physical better. Mm. And in terms of the activities I create for AIs. It's not actually meant to replace the current activities like mm. all this, uh, like badminton and all, but it's just to be another alternative for it. Mm. And maybe it can also like, you can also bring that into a uh, badminton whereby maybe the badminton in AR could do something different, and that actually like encourage people to play badminton more. And I don't see the AR as a replacement for the current activities, but it's more like an alternative and an addition to the current activities. So in speaking, and mm-hmm. sorry, yeah, yeah, and also like. The augmentation, the main aspect is uh, to actually like maybe overcome the addiction whereby since you are in the physical world and it's augmented in the physical world, you're actually like coming out from the digital world, like it's not looking at your screen, you're actually interacting outside. And I see that way as like sort of like uh, taking out some of the negative effects of the uh, digital world, as you can say. How, how, how do you leverage the real architecture and also the augmented architecture in the VR, for example? Because... Let's say yeah. you're wearing a VR, right? It's a goggle thing. So whatever projected to your eye is the design of a game designer. I mean, of course, architects yeah. can be involved into that sense. Uh, like Bia Ingles involved into the West World, for example. So um, there is architecture in both worlds. It, 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 it's just, you know, I'm not saying that which, which one is right or wrong, but it's just that there are two kinds of alternative or reality you can choose. So how do you yeah. see the real architecture, the position of that? How you how do you see the role of real, yeah. real architecture? Because uh, what you actually design in for my design is uh, actually create the structure for the AR to go on top of, right. and also the structure without the AR will actually function like a normal structure. Hmm. So the challenge was uh, how do I create a structure like in normal use it functions, and also like when there's all these augmented things projected on it, it actually works. Hmm. So what I did was. For my project, I did like this elevated structure going around Oxford. Mm. And the architecture aspect was how do I create this lightweight structure because you're going on, on like current existing places. Mm. So how do I create this light structure which doesn't like, intrude much? So that's why I came with this light steel structure with all these uh, meshes and all. And in terms of augmentation, because I have these meshes and these points to project onto, so that then the augmentation will actually project itself onto this light structure. So in a way, I actually designed in two versions. As you can see, my render is actually like Every time you see the physical version, you still see the AR version. Mm. So it's like when I de- design the physical version, I also like simultaneously like think about, oh, now I have this physical version. Mm. How do I bring the augmentation inside? Mm. So I don't see it like in a way that like, separate from each other. It's actually like helps each other. Like the augmentation, because the problem with the virtual nowadays is you can actually physically touch it. And the problem with the digital, uh, the physical world is, let's say you go to the mall per se, like every day you look at the same mall and there isn't something different. So I thought like, by combining these two, I take out the negative effect. But by now, now you have a augmentation. But by actually like have tactical feedback that you can touch, and also like when you go to a place, maybe like actually in terms of Fortnite, like every time there's an update and mm. things look different. Mm. 
So now every time you go to the structure because of the AR, every time you get a new experience. So I actually try to solve both of these problems by integrating them. Okay, uh, and, and speaking of that, I believe that your AR hub proposal is just maybe 50% of, uh, of the intention in a way that you don't hope that thing to be fully realized or fully utilized in Oxford area, right? Because mm, yeah. it's just a proposal, of course, and uh, at this stage. But um, how do I say this? Because I, I noticed your Sky Park, right? The Sky Park eventually will connect to the AR Hub. Mm, yeah. And and in Sky Park, it it um it involved in uh involved with the uh elevated platform for work walkings or exercising with different kind mm. of level, with different kind of uh, challenges, different kind of uh, topography in a way. So yeah. AR Hub itself is not really a, a important thing. It's just maybe like 20% to complete the whole picture of what you mentioned, mm, like disruption yeah. modernism. Um, but, but in speaking of that, do you, do you hope that this kind of AR Hub will eventually grow into a bigger weightage and um, affecting human lifestyle, like post-human kind of thing? Mm, yeah, actually, like, in terms of, like, one of the main reasons, like, people, like, discourage you from, like, using your phone when you're driving, per right. se, or, like, when you're walking and all, because when you're looking at your screen, you're actually, like, disconnected from your surrounding. And even, like, let's say when you're, like, just playing game in your in your house, you're just in that, looking at that one screen in that one position. So by having this augmentation, I think, not just for, like, you have to create architecture for it, but if the augmentation, like, they bring it forward and, like, Let's say you can actually like talk with someone when you're walking and they're like actually virtually in front of you. Mm-hmm. They actually like help people like uh, be in the virtual and also the physical world in a better way. Because like currently like if you're using your phone, you're just using your phone and you're not integrated well with your surrounding. Mm. So by actually like through the development of all this uh, augmentation, I think in the future, the future of the phone won't be a phone, but it'll be more like a virtual thing whereby... Mm. All your like Instagram and all is like around you rather than you're just looking at your phone and like, just interacting it. And also like it'll also like help you in a better way. Like currently, like let's say you're walking back home, like the only entertainment you have is like you can maybe like message your friends or like mm. hear the songs or whatever. Mm. And let's say in augmentation, maybe like let's say maybe today I wanna walk to maybe like Avatar Land or something. Mm. So I can just put the augmentation and that'll also like make my journey better. Mm. And also like talking about walking, like maybe it can like Let's say you're walking from point A to B every day on the same road every day and every day looking at the same street. So by doing this, you can actually like improve your journey whereby every day you go, you have a new experience and you're looking forward to walking ahead and just like have to walk from A to B again. So that type I expect actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah that was the main thing. Right. I, I love the fact that you did mention about Avatar, for example, it's part of the learning like, uh, is it possible for us to imagine through a VR and we can actually sort of like uh, exper- experience into a, a a certain environment that we cannot approach. For example, maybe we don't have to talk more, or we have to we don't have to talk far uh, further about games. Maybe we just put in like a uh, augmented reality of London, so people in Malaysia actually can visit London anytime. You know, so I love yeah. that, that kind of e-learning in a way. Um, so that's that's part of the. You know, it's, it's something to, 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 to do with our brain. It's just imagining things. And then after you take out VR, is another thing, you know. But um, in speaking okay. of imagination or this kind of utopian uh, dreams or something uh, whimsical, um, 
I, I, I noticed you, you, you did like the Sky Park and, and what is your imagination for Malaysia, uh, for example? How do you, how do you see uh, this kind of imagination applied into Malaysia? Mm, yeah, because uh, in terms of UK, like that distance and that level of like, because it's, it's a cold country, like you can actually walk more, it's more successful there. In terms of Malaysia, uh, maybe we can we cannot do that in a large scale whereby you can actually walk like 20 kilometers and all. But maybe you can start small whereby, uh, let's say in Stalin example, uh, there's that mall, the the shop loss nearby, mm. and also like Wanutama. Maybe mm. you can start connecting these smaller nodes mm. and then slowly branch out rather than just branching out into a KL. So like you have all these small, small townships, maybe mm. Sky Network can be in a way like you connect these small uh smaller nodes and maybe like currently the way I design Sky Network is for people to walk so in terms of Malaysia when you actually bring it forward maybe like because of the distance and all maybe like it can be a cycling uh, route or like elevated cycling route mm. and that's actually more viable in Malaysia and and I noticed yeah. the Sky Park is not just an ordinary pedestrian path and it also uh, enhanced with trees uh, a great great tree foliage and things so it become like a yeah. shape for the uh, pedestrian uh, bridge for example um, I think it really yeah. makes sense in a tropical country like Malaysia as well. Um, and, and speaking of the structure, right, it looks very futuristic. And I, I, I visited Oxford and it looks very, very ancient in a way or very... It's, it's that kind of heritage is very hard to dwell with the uh, new things like new high-tech technology that you propose. Yeah. How do you see that kind of blending? Because mm, in terms of the structure, the main reason it looks like that and it's an all because I wanted it to be as thin as possible and less interesting as possible. Right. So in a way, like when it interacts with, let's say, all these ancient buildings, it won't be a huge structure that's just like imposing there. It'll be a lightweight structure that's going around it. Right. And that was the main idea whereby, uh, because I don't want to create like, this, uh, like a big, like all these big columns and big things to disrupt that. Mm. And because Oxford already has all these, uh, these uh, in, uh, very uh, culturally hit, uh, rich buildings and all these, a good uh, nature areas and all. Mm. So the main challenge of the structure was to create a light and less into the structure. Right. So I, that's what I designed in a way, but the bridge isn't actually like meant to like fully blend in like into architecture, like maybe like if you do a wooden bridge and blend in more, but my intention was to create a light and less intuitive structure as possible. Mm. And it when you put it together, it might look like a bit different from the uh, current structures. But in a way, like it doesn't disturb much, and it actually like so sort of, like goes around it and complements it. And also in a way, like one of the reasons uh, currently, like even in terms of Oxford, like and they have a new development, like let's say they uh, restore a new shopping lot, mm. that difference already exists. So by doing this, it's not something new, but it's so like bringing Oxford forward. Let's say the reason I wanted to bring in nature is because the network isn't just for humans; it's also like because uh, Oxford, yeah, nature areas is actually currently in a floodplain. So we actually like floods a lot. Some of the areas actually get flooded. And also like most of these uh, nature areas are beside each other, but they're not connected very well. Mm. So this is actually more like a corridor, like they call it a stepping stones, whereby you have these smaller patches of vegetation mm. uh, as a bridge. And that actually like encourage like all these small, small wildlife to go around it. And the idea was in, in case like, uh, let's say Oxford floods or something, this becomes a safe passage. And also, like, by having these stepping stones, say you have these three different uh, nature areas, since you have this bridge connecting them, it actually make them into one big area. And that actually uh, increase the growth and make the nature areas better. 
one of the uh, mm. better way to say this is uh, let's say now uh, let's say going back to like malls and stuff like in terms of uh, Sunway Pyramid it's a mall Sunway UCT is its own uh, function let's say the burger area is a shop lot and mm. all this can function alone by itself but because they added this connectivity aspect it become one whole thing so that's how the nature is like uh, actually works by having this con- small connection they actually start to work together and become uh, a sort of like better network of uh, nature and in terms of augmentation for the uh, nature aspect that also like uh, maybe the tree can look something different like it's glowing at night mm. or maybe the tree like let's say you're more uh, conscious about how the tree's performance is maybe you can add all this uh, performance kit inside but actually you can see like all this uh, tree you're seeing now is actually like taking this much carbon dioxide and changing it into uh, this much oxygen and all so the potential for the AI is actually quite a lot thereby because uh, in terms of architecture you are limited by the constraints of gravity and all but in terms of AR you don't have the const- uh, constriction so you can actually like play around with your physical surrounding and using AR actually, like, I think like there's more opportunity for people to actually like do more and bring forward the architecture so, so the sky park in this sense is not just connecting the circulation or the pedestrian uh walkway you know i i, I perceive it as sky park itself also creating a reserve area for greens in a way it's like yeah it's kind of a green belt and also uh so meaning to say wherever sky park goes the the nature grows as well so the trees goes the the, the amni the animal comes in you know so that's how mm, I yeah perceive it. and 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 i'm curious like how come there's hed- hedgehogs inside there what's what's the uh, yeah <laughs> Because uh, one of the main things when I did the uh, nature aspect is uh, for my research is because the hedgehogs don't have a, uh, what to say a safe passage to cross roads and all, right. and actually like a loss of a number of hedgehogs like they are being roadkill nowadays, and also like not just hedgehogs like many small small animals, and in terms of uh, Oxford particularly was hedgehogs, so I thought like it's a symbolic way of showing that maybe these hedgehogs can have a life on top whereby they are like because. Uh, the way I created Sky Skynet is and there's no cars, there's no uh, even bicycles around, it's just pedestrians. So they can actually like be more uh, in terms of uh, uh, safety and also like the house, they can actually do a more better house and also like be secluded from all this car, this noise and all in a better mm-hmm. uh, environment. And also like it uh, actually like encourages more of the smaller animals to have a better uh, safe place per se. Mm. Interesting. I I'm curious, like how how's the, what what what's the uh, how do I say this? What is the identity of hedgehog in in Oxford? Is it like a long history that they growing or breed in Oxford or? Uh, it's just that uh yeah uh also like uh currently the, it's not like a mascot for Oxford or something. It's just that, uh, number of hedgehogs in Oxford is a lot, but. And it became like a priority to like safeguard them because of the road kids and all. Like that's all like becoming like an endangered species in a way for Ox- mm-hmm. uh, in Oxford, like road kids and all. There also like even like a small hospital like for all these animals and like also like treat the hedgehogs and all. Mm-hmm. So it's not to say like it's like a mascot or anything, but it's just that in Oxford there's a lot of them and like starting to decrease. Mm-hmm. So that's that's why there's more importance given to them. That's that's something to do. A very critical point that uh is very particular like a uh, certain. Uh, 
like something to do with uh, geology and animals is very specific la. It's like you only see tigers in in specific points, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for the sharing. I believe there are a lot of things that we wanted to talk about, but it's just that you know, uh, um, I I guess we can do it next time, lah. You know. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of things that we can talk about. Uh, especially like AR Hub, there's a lot of effort that you put in. Um, I really appreciate that you willing to share with us. So thanks a lot, Harish. Oh, sorry. Yeah, thank you very much for the opportunity. Yeah, one one more thing. Uh, do you mind to give our audience a question instead of uh advice? It can be any questions. Hmm. The main would be like uh, how do you actually uh go about designing something? That is actually like. When you say doubt, it sounds very simple. But when you actually think about it, that can actually change your project and how you actually uh, perceive your project. So and that was actually what I thought it was in masters. Like, how do you go about designing something? And everyone have their different ways. Mm. But the more you think about your process, how you design it, you actually uh, improve your project a lot more. And that's actually like what I want people to think about. Then how how about how how do we design? Mm, yeah, there's there's actually like different for everyone. Like let's say for me, like. I still sketch a bit, I render a bit. Maybe right. for some people, like rendering is something they don't like and they sketch more. Right. Or maybe for some people, like uh, they can actually like convey their project more towards uh, by words. And then maybe someone else, like, oh, you actually said this, and maybe I can sketch it out for you. So it's like the design process is actually different for everyone. And the more you are adapt with your design process, the better and faster you can do your uh, design. Because mm. in terms of degree, what I learned was. Because when in terms of semester three, when all these digital things were introduced to us, mm. before that our design process was we just sketch, mm. and then we create a final sketch is done. And when the digital thing came in, it sort of disrupted it. And then for us to find our footing into designing process, it took another time again. Mm. So, so if you the more you think about your, uh, yeah, the more you think about your process, the better you can create a workflow. Mm-hmm. And that's actually like, quite important. And when you have time constraints, that's what will help you most. Like how your process actually like. Uh, was efficient enough for you to do your project faster, and 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 we can't deny that these little details of process is actually affecting our quality um, mm, yeah. in the final product as well. Yeah, cause some people like I notice like, uh, they always get stuck in their main idea, and that actually carry forward into like towards the mid of semester, and for them to actually develop that that actually idea maybe can be very good, but because they didn't like. Go through fast enough, or like carry on to the next process. Their final product is affected, and that in return, like, uh, so like, their project could have been more, but because the the time wasn't there, that couldn't be achieved. So that's why, like, the process of like you doing it faster is actually like quite uh, vital, like when you have constraints. Cool, cool, cool. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Harish. Uh, I hope you enjoy, and uh, thanks for sharing so much information about it. Uh, yeah, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me here. So, Thank yeah. you. <laughs> no problem. Thank yeah. you.